You're listening to Once, episode 303, season 6 DVD and Blu-ray review. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm surprised I still remember how to say that. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. It's been a long summer. And with Once Upon a Time over, the podcast kind of is back of mind thing. But now we've got this spinoff, otherwise known as season seven, coming. (laughs) I uh, finally agree with you. Get used to it, because I'm going to be saying that probably every time I refer to this next season we're getting. Think of it as keeping me a little more sane. I need to think of it as a spinoff. Different night, different schedule, different characters, different storyline. Well, maybe different storyline, maybe the same storyline, just with different characters or older characters. We don't know. But we're not here to talk about season seven yet. We will have another episode before season seven returns, at least one other episode to share with you some spoilers, some news, some theories about season seven, and then we'll be off with our normal podcast schedule. I'll mention briefly here and remind you about this later. This episode is sponsored by Creation Entertainment's Once Upon a Time official convention. Check it out at creationent.com. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But we got the chance to get our copy of the Once Upon a Time complete sixth season DVD and Blu-ray a little early. We did the unboxing video. If you haven't seen that yet, you can look us up on YouTube or on the website, oncepodcast.com. The video is on there and also the link to our Facebook page and it's all over the place. But we we unboxed it. We shared some initial thoughts on just what we saw based on the box, literally on the box and inside the box. Now we've had the opportunity to watch the very little content that's on the discs other than the actual episodes, but the extra content. Yes. So this isn't about reviewing the season. This is about reviewing the extras that are on the disc. I think we did that. We pretty (laughs) well reviewed every season so far in excruciating detail. (laughs) And I would say much better detail than the one episode of commentary available on this disc. So let's start the conversation there. (laughs) Okay. I, yeah, you'll, you'll have to tell me all about it. The commentary was on only a single episode this year. In previous years, for the first few seasons, they've had commentary on five episodes. Then last season was commentary on, I believe, only three or four episodes. This year, only one episode. And it's not even a significant episode. It was the episode, The Other Shoe. Probably my least favorite. Yeah. Of the season. I mean, Quite it, possibly. Now, a good episode in that it was great to see Jesse Schramm back, who plays as Cinderella or Ashley Boyd. It was at least nice to know that these people still exist. Yeah. Mostly. And we got to see uh, her baby as well. We got to see um, Prince Sean. And we got to see more of the actual... We did? Yeah. He was in there just for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't see him in Storybrooke, though, right? It was more Uh, flashbacks. He he was in Storybrooke. Really? Actually. I, I... um, must have be- been a big part. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very small. He was carrying a toddler, his 
daughter in the show. Oh, although the actor who plays uh, Prince Sean, I can't remember the actor's name, but he doesn't even have kids. Whereas Colin O'Donohue, who plays Hook, does have kids or has a toddler of his own. And so it was the commentary. They mentioned that a little bit, how it was funny to see uh, Hook be able to play with the little girl. He put that whipped cream on his nose and oh, that yeah, was totally right. ad-libbed, that. actually, oh. <laughs> by Hook, because he has a toddler of his own, so he knows how to work with kids. <laughs> so he just thought, I'll just put this whipped cream on my nose and it'll be funny. He did that, and the people recording that loved it so much that for all of the multiple takes they had to do, they <laughs> had him do that over and over and over. That's awesome. So this commentary on this episode, the other shoe, this was the one where they went into um, the backstory of Cinderella and covered the actual Cinderella proper story a little bit more. And then we see Ashley in Storybrooke walking around with a rifle, which didn't really fit her character. That whole thing. So you remember yeah, that story? Yeah, I definitely remember the story. It was, it stood out. It was weird. And that was in the time when the evil queen was around wanting everyone to tear themselves <laughs> apart. That's where it started, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or some Not in this specific episode. No, I think it was. But it, it was around I thought it was. this time. No. This was the episode where she mentioned um, removing the main characters from the board. And there were a lot of chess analogies. And this was the episode where I also did a deep theory on how Rumpel was playing chess when someone walked into a shop and he used a rook to take out a queen. And how I said that that was like symbolic of his using the evil queen to take out Regina or maybe vice versa. But anyway, the commentary on this episode was with the writers and producers, Steve Perlman, Jane Espenson, and Jerome Schwartz. And there were then, since this is the only episode that had commentary, that means then that there were no cast members who did any commentary on the episodes. Now, there are other specials that we'll get to in a moment with some of the other special content. But um, so you didn't get to hear any of the cast tell any behind the scenes stories about this episode. Yeah, which, as we mentioned in the unboxing video, it was basically the end of their story. Mm -hmm. Would have been so great to hear them talk about various steps along the way where different arcs were sort of resolved and things like that. Or maybe hear commentary on the musical, although I think the special that we'll talk about in a minute kind of took the place of anything yeah. like that. Yeah, and this commentary... From what I could tell, they recorded this commentary, if I understood their comment correctly, back in January. Hmm. So while the season was still in the middle of the season, they recorded this commentary. Well, no wonder they picked that episode. There hadn't been all that many <laughs> that were actually <laughs> out and yeah. finished with production. So it surprised me, though, that they... Even being the middle of the season like that, they didn't pull in any cast members because the cast members would have still been under contract because they were still recording. But January, other wouldn't they have been not working? Uh, I think they were still filming in January. Hmm. Maybe I could be wrong though. Um, I'm I'm not able to keep up with their actual filming schedule as much because that often contains spoilers. So that's right. Matthew Paul and Jacqueline and Hunter's department to keep up with all of that news. So being that this is from the writers and producers, they give a very production background to the episode, which some people who like production aspects might enjoy. But what's 
crazy about it is that the writers pointed out that, well, we don't get to be there when they're filming these episodes. All they get to see are what they call the dailies, which is the footage that's recorded that day and then sent back to the writers in Los Angeles. Hmm, that is interesting. So the Jane and Jerome then are talking about things from a writing perspective and Steve Perlman is talking about things from a production perspective and how sets were made or not not really about how sets were made. They they I don't like to be overly critical, but <laughs> they mostly just said what they liked and didn't like about certain things. Oh, I see. And they did end up like talking over each other a lot and interrupting each other a lot. I think that's okay in a commentary. Yeah, uh, but yeah, <laughs> It's nice when you get to hear some things that you would never have known otherwise. And I feel like there wasn't all that much that we wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. By the way, in our chat room just now, Matthew Paul pointed out that they were filming uh, season six up through the beginning of April. So yes, they could have pulled in other cast members to do commentary anytime until then. Could have, but I know there are all kinds of other complications like the cost of producing that kind of stuff, trying to get the cast together and everything because the cast are busy. They've got other projects going on that they're working on. So there were a few interesting little tidbits from a production perspective that they pulled out and certain behind the scenes kinds of things like the fact that Colin O'Donohue, who plays Hook, has a toddler of his own. And uh, they also mentioned something funny that this was the episode where we saw uh, Mr. Hyde in the loony bin cell. And that's when the evil queen had come and made this lavish feast for him. And then Regina came with her homemade lasagna to try and entice <laughs> him to help her. And he was like, I'm sated. Whoa. <laughs> well, they, they mentioned something that I'd never really thought about is in that scene, you see Mr. Hyde pick up a Cuban cigar that evil queen had brought to him. <laughs> But you never see him actually smoke it. And apparently this is some kind of Disney policy to not show characters smoking. And Interesting. even in the commentary, Jane Espenson said something like, don't smoke, kids. So <laughs> that's, I mean, okay, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And yet this was also the episode where Emma invited Hook to move in with her and... <laughs> the writers were like, this was a big moment for them. We were looking forward to this moment. And... So they're, they're being inconsistent. But they're not going to smoke. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So don't smoke, kids. That porch on that house would not be used for smoking. One of the other funny things. They, they... got enough smoke when they were in, you know, the underworld. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. Yeah. They're all, they're all smoked out. Yeah. One of the other funny things they mentioned is uh, you remember the Land of Untold Stories blimp that crashed in the forest. That forest stuff was filmed in a park in Vancouver, which was horribly infested with mosquitoes which they comment on in oh my the commentary and several of the deleted the scenes. Deleted, or the, uh, really the bloopers, the bloopers. Yeah, the bloopers have a bunch of mosquito stuff. And if you look closely, you can almost always see mosquitoes flying around in the shot. So that wasn't something they always dealt with in the forest. That was the park. Especially that park. Okay, yeah. good. I was, I was watching those things and thinking, wow, is this what filming the show was really like? How did they get anything done? It's terrible. <laughs> Well, and one of the things they had to do with that blimp there in the the park. The crashed blimp, you yeah, mean. They built that thing. It's this big prop sitting there in a public park. <laughs> so they had to hire 24-7 security to stand guard around that. 
because they needed it to stay there for these multiple shots that they were recording across multiple episodes. That's crazy. And they mentioned something about the real time of the show being about two years because they were commenting on how tall and grown up Henry or Jared Gilmore was getting. And they said real time of the episode is something like two years. You mean from season one to season six? Yeah. Yeah. Not Sorry, not real time of the episode, but of the whole show. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, I think. We'll see what our timeline says. <laughs> and, and something that doesn't make sense, oncepodcast.com slash timeline, by the way, Keb does an amazing job of managing that. You know, we're not fans of how they've brought characters back from the dead in interesting <laughs> ways. And they've literally gone to hell and back to bring someone back from the dead. Selena disagrees. (laughs) One of the quotations from the commentary was they said uh, about the magic of the show and such, they said they can occasionally bring someone back from the dead if the story takes us there. Uh, Boo. Dead is not dead. Boo. Yeah. (laughs) I made a big deal when we watched this episode and originally talked about it about that chessboard thing and how I thought it was all symbolic and such. They said nothing about that. Mm. Nothing about the chess stuff at all. They just kept talking about production stuff. Like when, in fact, uh, Evil Queen had poofed uh, Emma and Hook and Henry to the edge of the town when we thought she had poofed them outside of Storybrooke, which would have been really cool. But uh, they talked about, they did a, I think it was called a French reverse, where they actually... Because the road looks so similar in both directions and because of sunlight directions, they actually filmed from only one direction, but they had the characters turn (laughs) for different shots to make it look like you were seeing them from a different side. Oh, funny. That's cool. Yeah. And they digitally removed power lines, which they do that kind of stuff all the time. Um, I mean, that stuff's cool to know. Yeah. A cool little tidbit about this, especially if you watched the spinoff Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Do you maybe remember Alice's house in London from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland? Mm -hmm. They used the same house as Cinderella's house here in Once Upon a Time. And and that was for the flashbacks. Oh, And then in present day Storybrooke, the pumpkin patch Mm -hmm. Uh, where the whole scene with the rifle and and Cinderella getting stabbed and all of that, that happened actually (laughs) on the same property. That was another great conversation (laughs) that you never would have without Once Upon a Time. (laughs) (laughs) Cinderella getting stabbed. (laughs) Yeah, they said something about that too. uh, They said the craziness of Once Upon a Time, something like uh, you can have Cinderella pointing a rifle at an enchanted shoe (laughs) (laughs) and then... (laughs) she's in the enchanted forest asking about magic when she's talking to a mouse that's wearing a (laughs) t-shirt something like that Uh, so they use the same house but you're seeing the backyard or the the barn in the back of the house for the shot inside the pumpkin patch or the pumpkin um, grove okay so some cool little tidbits all production level stuff very little about the cast or how they acted certain parts or certain struggles or things. So it was mostly commentary on the story. Were they the ones who wrote that episode? Yes. Hmm. I didn't remember that being an episode. Yeah. Well, it, it had good dialogue for most of it. Uh, and now they did say what they do with these episodes is that 
they split the episode in half and one writer takes one half and the other writer takes the other half. Half as in chronologically or story A and story B? I thought it would make sense if it was story A, story B. Yeah. But no, it's actually chronologically, at least for this episode, oh. that I think it was Jane Espenson took the first half and then Jerome Schwartz took the second half, which That's was very strange. Uh, yeah, maybe they didn't communicate that the way that they meant, because it just seems like it makes so much more sense right. for one writer to manage the flashbacks while the other writer manages Storybrook. Right. Especially if you're going to have consistency of dialogue and character, at least within one episode. <laughs> yeah. It's nice when the same writer writes the same character all the time. It seems like some TV shows do. So the commentary was interesting, sure. Was it insightful? Not all that much. Was it entertaining? Not all that much. <laughs> I mean, it would have been a whole lot more fun if they had at least one of the cast members in there talking about some of the things. Hmm. Like maybe Lana Perea, who plays Evil Queen and Regina, would have been a great one because that was an episode where they were going back and forth between Regina yeah. and Evil Queen. And they did mention in the commentary about how it's a three-hour switch, makeup switch. What? And so, yeah, they would try to... And Jacqueline pointed that out from um, uh, Comic-Con, that they mentioned that at Comic-Con. So they would try to film all of the Evil Queen stuff at one time. Three hours? Yeah. I, wow. I don't understand. Beauty and apparently evil take time. <laughs> evil isn't born. It's made, dearie. Makes it even more ironic when she snaps her fingers and changes. <laughs> yeah. And Matthew Paul in the chat verbalizes what I, and I think probably most of the community think. How could there not be a commentary for the final battle? Yeah. Not hearing from the cast, that's a big disappointment right there. And not hearing commentary about the final battle is another huge disappointment. Uh, not Or not hearing commentary about the musical, although there is the special that we'll talk about more in a moment, which might take the place of that. But uh, some major disappointments with commentary, especially since, and I, I think I might have misunderstood them, but it sounded like in the commentary, they did call this the last season. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure but by that time they probably thought it was. In the same context, they were also talking about the previous season. So oh. they, in one case, they said last season, and I thought they were referring to this as the last season. And then one sentence later, they say the last season, referring definitely to the previous oh, season. So it, it was a little hard to understand which way they're referring to it. Hmm. But I, I think that they did. And you look at the storyline. Once upon a time ended with seasons. Okay, I'm not going to repeat that. We've talked about that plenty of times already. Uh, <laughs> now we're getting yeah. a spinoff. Yeah. Otherwise known as season season seven. Yeah, it's it's sort of like obviously we're not just entitled to anything, but mm -hmm. but given all the commentaries that they have done, and given how momentous an occasion this is in the life of the show this season, yeah. It would be even if they release them later somehow, it'd be great to hear them actually sit down and watch and do a commentary. And I know budget is an issue all the time production of these things, time, recording, schedules, all of that kind of stuff. I would now, some of the fans might disagree with this, some fans might agree. I would rather this have been the end of Once Upon a Time with this season 
And they made the DVD and Blu-rays much better. Like more commentary, more behind the scenes, more specials. That wouldn't be why in my book I would want it to have been the last season. Well, I'm saying if it was between what we got versus end it and get better Blu-rays and DVDs, I would rather have the better Blu-rays and DVDs than have a next season. Like lots of extra interviews and commentaries and yeah because uh yeah i mean that like (laughs) i'm gonna date myself severely when star trek the next generation ended i don't remember conveniently what year that was but i remember there was this whole there was a lot leading up to it now maybe it was a different had a different following than once upon a time it was certainly a different um, by that, by the end, it was a different quality level. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe once upon a time ended up in, but there were, there were specials. It seems to me they ran a marathon of the 10 best episodes hosted by Jonathan Frakes. And they had a, a retrospective episode where they looked at the entire series as a whole and they interviewed the cast and all these sorts of things. That, that and that could still happen, I guess. It, like, uh, not, but it wouldn't be the same. And what you just mentioned reminded me something they could have super easily put on these discs for all of the seasons. They could have put this on those one-hour specials that they've often done before a season yeah. or before those a season. Are pretty finale. good. They are pretty good, especially this last one. I thought was probably the best. That was very similar to really what I'm talking about in a sense. They did kind of look back and they talked to everyone. I loved that special that they aired. So that's content they've already created. It's good content. Yes, it's kind of rehashing it. it's not on the DVD, is it? It's not. Mm, I didn't even think about it. So all they have to do, you know, just drag copy and paste from one folder to the other, put this (laughs) on the... (laughs) So ABC, whoever manages the DVD production, just, you know... Copy that over. Because I would it's love to see that again, frankly. Yeah. yeah. And it's not available. I think it is actually available if you purchase the season from iTunes. Oh, interesting. And maybe from some of the other uh, directors and such. Which, by the way, if you want to own your own copy of the complete season six of Once Upon a Time, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash season six to purchase your copy there. So, so much missing in the commentary department on these discs. Really big disappointment. And you know they're not going to go back and make like the extended edition of season six or anything like that. This isn't Lord of the Rings. This isn't even Star Wars where they'll, you know, make Regina shoot first or something like that. (laughs) So it's especially some of the cast considering like the the cast members that won't be coming back in the spinoff, otherwise known as season seven, that then we don't get to hear from them except in the musical special that's on this. But like their commentary on episodes, no, we don't get to hear any of that. Yeah. But there is an opportunity you have to meet the cast. Yeah, I'm not talking about just watching them on a screen. I am saying literally meet them, shake their hands, get their autograph, get your photo taken with them, talk to them, sing with them. (laughs) I'm sure they love that. That's a great idea. But it is something that's actually true, or you can sing and they can be your backup singers. Or you can sing and they can be like, thanks for watching. I'm referring to the amazing, wonderful 
official convention for Once Upon a Time created by Creation Entertainment, our sponsor for this episode. This is, uh, there's actually, at the time of this recording, this weekend kicks off their convention schedule. They have multiple Once Upon a Time conventions. And so this weekend, August 19th through the 20th, is the first Once Upon a Time convention for this year, and that's in San Francisco. So if you have a chance, definitely go there. Send us your feedback about it. You can find more information and the schedule for the upcoming events at creationent.com. That stands for creationentertainment.com. Creation Entertainment hosts these conferences as well as does other conventions for other TV shows. This is the Once Upon a Time official convention. And uh, so they've got other conventions coming to uh, Whippany, New Jersey, Burbank, California. Say that again. <laughs> I don't think I should. <laughs> and guests include. So if you miss the cast from the DVDs, you should go to the conferences because the guests include Lana Perea, like Regina. Not like Regina. That is Regina, an evil queen. Jennifer Morrison, <laughs> who plays Emma Swan. Colin O'Donohue, who plays Captain Hook. Rebecca Mater, Zelina, the Wicked Witch, and more. And there are also all kinds of really, this is redundant, but really unique experiences. Like, yes, you can actually sing with the cast. There will be a concert featuring Gil McKinney, who played Prince Eric. Remember, Ariel's Prince Charming. And also Beverly Elliott, even, will be singing in the concert. You can do a karaoke party where some of the cast are your backup singers. Oh, that's awesome. So it actually is a thing. Yes, it is. And oh, it would be so awesome too if some of the songs they're singing, I don't know the actual song list, but if some of the songs are from the musical episode, wouldn't that be fun to sing along? Awesome and fun are words that people might not be using by the end of a karaoke night. Maybe, but it's... Funny, yes. It's so much other fun too, like costume contests, panels with the stars. Now, when I say panels, so you're did probably, you buy our tickets? Not yet. Okay, but you're probably thinking things <laughs> like you've heard about horror stories of Comic Con where they, people say, "I've been waiting in this line for twenty years and they couldn't let me in because they were full." Well, no, that's not the case with the Once Upon a Time official convention. Your ticket guarantees your seat. So none of this trying to camp out and be the lucky one. And I didn't know that was how com- Comic-Cons went. Oh, yeah. Gross. It, it's, it's really nasty. Comic-Cons and other conventions and stuff, but not at the Once Upon a Time official convention. So this is your opportunity. When you get your ticket, you know you're getting what you're paying for. And so many awesome opportunities. You can get autographs, photo opportunities, and so much more. So... Check out the schedule for the upcoming events and buy your tickets now. Go to creationent.com and register over there. Pick the conference that is coming up in your area. And dramatic pause. You may even get to meet us. Maybe. We're working on some things. So... Check out your we options. Are? <laughs> <laughs> Check out your options by going to creationent.com. And that's not for ear, nose, and throat, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No, that is for Creation Entertainment, the makers <laughs> of the amazing Once Upon a Time official convention, creationent.com, for exactly not traumatizing. That's maybe what ENT stands for. <laughs> yes. Other than other amazing things. Creationent.com. Thank you so much, Creation Entertainment, for supporting this episode. 
And we hope to, if you go to this conference, we can't make it to the San Francisco one. It's too soon. But if you go, please let us know. Tell us your favorite things about it. Send us your photos, tweet us and such. Let us know all the fun that you got to have that everyone else missed by not being there. Creationent.com. <laughs> I'm just so excited to have them as a sponsor too and, and excited about some potential opportunities that we might have. Mm. So if you couldn't tell. Mm. Now, speaking of California opportunities, things coming up, I will be in Anaheim the week of, well, next week, the week of August 20th. And specifically, the evening of August 23rd in Anaheim is the Academy of Podcasters Award. And I'm up for an Academy of Podcasters Award for my podcast about podcasting. That's free admission over there. So if you go to academyofpodcasters.com, you can go see the awards. You can meet me, try and find me, and guess who else will be there? Well, you probably can't guess. But (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Roney, our friend from the other Once Upon a Time podcast that actually was the first. I think his was the very first Once Upon a Time podcast, the Once Upon a Time podcast fan podcast Uh, he'll be there so i'll finally get to meet him fun and you can also meet me too and attend the awards ceremony for free (laughs) that's over at academyofpodcasters.com it's the evening of wednesday august 23rd in anaheim california check out more details at the site if you want to join me over there i'd love to meet you over there so on to more information about the dvds and such what was really cool and it's the only feature specifically produced for this season, which is so disappointing. (laughs) The gag reel, yeah, but that's not all that much production. The Storybrooke Songbook was their special, a 10-minute long special, all about the musical episode. This special is so bittersweet to me because really the, the episode itself and then this special just... Shows everything that went into it, the yeah. care and attention and expertise. I mean, I dare say, <laughs> I'm going to try to make this the last negative thing I say because I loved this so much. But I dare say the guys that wrote the songs for the musical episode quite possibly know the show better than some <laughs> of the writers that came on in later seasons. Oh, no, you didn't. They honored... The history of the show in such an amazing way. In fact, if it weren't for if it weren't for the way the plot had gotten kind of twisted and and dragged apart a little bit, I I often think of that episode and I sort of imagine instead of the Black Fairy, I imagine Rumpelstiltskin possibly could have been in that place and the whole thing would have been even just that much more poignant i guess but it was it was amazing as it was and watching them use a real orchestra as they always do and watching everybody's excitement and hearing about yeah they had to do it on a tv production schedule but they they went out of their way to rehearse in different places and to go for vocal training and it just showed how much potential they have and had and if that level of attention to detail had been put into some other aspects what a different outcome some (laughs) parts of the 
series would have had. What they really did, they must have been listening to our podcast before they did the musical because they finally... Hashtag hire the nerd. <laughs> that's what they did. The songwriters <laughs> <They> did. <laughs> were nerds of Once Upon a Time. They were that's fans great. of the show. And what was really cool in this little featurette that they did about the musical is they they said that they really worked with the cast to design the songs for them. Yeah. It's not like, hey, here's this thing we wrote. Good luck trying to perform it. Right. It's, they, like, they talked about um, Evil Queen's song. Yeah. And how they met with Lana Perea, worked with her, had her seen a couple things, discovered her style and discovered this really raspy, you know, kind of harsh singing mm -hmm. style that really fit her Lana Perea's character, right. personality, her voice, and it perfectly fit the Evil Queen's character. Although I have to say, that's not the only way she can sing, because she sang differently in the last song. Oh, yeah. And that's just that's just her and yeah. her voice and everything she can do. So it, it was amazing how they worked with... They, they were really artists with this episode. This mm -hmm. I would say that this episode of Once Upon a Time was the most artistic because of how they put things together right. and the way that they leveraged the talent and characters. And everyone loved it. Mm -hmm. Like Josh Dallas was saying that he's kind of w imagined his life as a musical sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. What, one thing I love about that episode is that it's sort of like if down the road, years down the road, we're just like... You know, I miss Once Upon a Time, but you feel like, but I I can't just rewatch the whole show or even necessarily all of season one. You can kind of just watch that episode and you get a taste of everybody along with the great songs and you can listen to the songs other times. It's, uh, I don't know, it's just, when I first heard that a musical episode was coming, First, I had to do a little extra internet searching to see if it was a joke. <laughs> then I was nervous. And then as soon as the soundtrack came out and I heard the first song, I realized, no, this is going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. The quality is just, it's just dripping with quality and I can't say enough about it. And Kitsis and Horowitz in this special mentioned that the fans had been asking for this for a while. But they didn't want to do a musical simply to do a musical. They wanted it to be part of the storyline. And so that's kind of what they came up Which with. Which I appreciate. And and even the cast were thinking that if they did a musical, that they would reincorporate the original Disney songs. But no, they got completely original songs written mm -hmm. specially for their characters and fitting in with the story. And and like to see the enthusiasm on some of them, like uh, Rebecca Mater, who plays Zelina, just <laughs> so overly enthusiastic about her song. She's so funny. Yeah, she she loved it, and you know she nailed it too. Her song, yeah. and all the all the cast nailed their pieces too. She, you can tell, she really loves her character, and she really loves oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> if you follow her on Instagram, she makes. Wicked references in her <laughs> in her live stories, and one day she sang a little bit of one of the songs. <laughs> yeah, she she's great. She'll be greatly missed from yeah. the show too, but maybe not forever. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this Storybrooke songbook featurette, great addition to the disc. I think it is a suitable uh, replacement for. Not having commentary on the musical. Honestly, I think I'd rather, for that episode, I'd rather have what they did right. than a commentary. Yes. Because this, this was just much better.
better, it, higher quality content in a shorter mm-hmm. amount of time, which yeah. I'm always a big fan of. Right. Then the deleted scenes. Now, interestingly, while these discs, looking back at the previous seasons, this disc has the fewest different features on it. Only one episode of commentary. That's the lowest amount of commentary we've ever had from Once Upon a Time. Season one had all kinds of specials, had Blu-ray exclusive featurettes. It had Easter eggs. Oh my goodness, was that fun? Yeah. (laughs) Season one DVDs and Blu-rays were fantastic. Uh, now though, it's, it's almost as if they're like phoning it in is the metaphor some people use, but interestingly here, the deleted scenes, they really packed this with deleted scenes, 28 minutes of deleted scenes. Yeah. And some of them were actually watchable (laughs) (laughs) often with deleted scenes. I just groan because it doesn't matter what the show or movie is. I watch them and I go, yup, good choice. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they are a bad version of a scene that actually was in the show and they cleaned it up and made it a scene that actually worked. And sometimes it's actually completely chopped out for good reason. There's one series of scenes that we will get to that I... (laughs) uh, I'm imagining the alternate reality where those scenes made it into the episode and it is not pretty, my friends. (laughs) Now... uh Comparing this to previous seasons, this is the most uh, we've seen in deleted scenes, not in number of deleted scenes, uh, because we've seen more deleted scenes in previous seasons, but in minutes of yeah. footage, 28 Some of them minutes. Were long. Right? That's almost a whole episode. Well, that's three quarters of an episode or two thirds of an episode. True, yeah. In length. And um, now compare that to season one, which we often herald as. So many amazing features. I mean, I just said it a few minutes ago. So many amazing features on the season one discs. Fewer than two minutes of deleted scenes mm. from season one. And now here in season six, we get 14 times as many deleted scenes. So that's really cool. That's a, that's a nice low reward. And there are more deleted scenes on the Blu-ray than on the DVDs. Unfortunately, I don't know, and we've been having trouble trying to figure out exactly which deleted scenes are exclusive to Blu-ray versus exclusive to DVD, because we only get, and we only request, the one copy, which is the Blu-ray copy that Disney is kind enough to send us in advance, and that's how we're able to bring this review to you, or record it, uh, before the Blu-rays are actually released. So we're not able to cross-compare them with each other, but... Uh, of the deleted scenes, a quick overview, we had deleted scenes from 605 Street Rats, 607 Heartless, 608 I'll Be Your Mirror, 609 Changelings, 610 Wish You Were Here, 611 Tougher Than the Rest, 616 Mother's Little Helper, 618 Where Bluebirds Fly, 619 The Black Fairy, and 622 The Final Battle Part 2. So a bunch of deleted scenes, and some of these were really good. Mm-hmm. So, like, the uh, the scene from Street Rats, one of the things, there are three scenes, actually, from that episode. One of the scenes is you see Aladdin and Jasmine in front of the Cave of Wonders. <laughs> so, what was interesting about these deleted scenes is that most of them, whereas often you just get text on the screen that says what the special effects are supposed to look like, they actually kind of put some rudimentary special effects into the scenes, I mean, like 
super low budget. Like they told someone to do it on their lunch break or something. (laughs) And by someone, I mean their unpaid first year college intern. (laughs) I mean, they're really, they're truly bad. It's, but it's great because it's kind of funny. And so the cave of wonders was one of the best because you kind of see the cave of wonders and it's kind of in the desert. But then as Aladdin and Jasmine are walking, like they kind of disturb the painted sky and you see that they are still in the forest in Vancouver. And that's where the cave of wonders actually is. I thought it was great. Well, talking about splicing things in awkwardly, there's a deleted scene later uh, where it's supposed to be the snake, the Cobra version of evil queen in a cage Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they found animated GIFs of different snakes <laughs> and stuck it in well, the cage. The snake was kind of on the cage. Yeah. It wasn't even the bars weren't even painted on top of it. it. It was great. Which was probably more for the production team to know what's supposed to go there than for the viewers to know, hey, there's a snake there. Maybe. I don't know how any of that stuff works, but uh, it was pretty funny. But you were mentioning earlier about how some of the deleted scenes often make sense in how they cut them. Well, with this deleted scene, which most of it happens as the main deleted scene from Street Rats is when they're at the Cave of Wonders and the door is shut and they, they can't open it. Well, they cut it in a way that you don't notice anything's missing. But what they cut out was pretty good content. And it's a bummer they had to cut it out for time. Hmm. It was Aladdin basically talking about how much he disbelieved the magic in stories. And he's like, oh, I know how to make it open. You read about it in all these stories and all this stuff and (laughs) blah, 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 blah. He goes on this long like monologue about... Like, oh, this magic, this magic, that, then, 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 then. So I'm going to open it by saying, and then what you saw in the episode was his saying, open sesame. <laughs> and he did that really. So you get a much better foundation of the sarcasm behind that statement and also the surprise of it actually opening and yeah. then suddenly realizing, oh, magic might actually work. See, I think that's just good editing. Because you got enough without kind of going, uh, okay, it's getting late, guys. Could you open that door? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was a bit long, but it gave good insight into Aladdin's character. Yeah. So maybe a little of it. There was probably not a great way to edit it. Right. Yeah. And make it shorter without just taking it out. Exactly. In the episode Heartless, uh, there... <laughs> One of those pointless kind of scenes. You remember this was the episode where Snow and Charming had to find something that was, you know, the the sprout from their first true love or something like that in a cave. Well, there was this moment where they're not sure which direction to go in a cave and they have this romantic kiss in front of Regina. And then one of the cave paths yeah. light up that nicely cut out. So awkward. <laughs> so awkward. And yet, I think Regina's corny. How about that? I think she actually ended up saying that later anyway. Someone really wanted her to say that. Yeah. It was weird. I don't know. From, that was a weird episode anyway. That would have made it much worse. Yeah. Uh, from the episode 608, I'll Be Your Mirror, there were two scenes that they cut out. Uh, one of them was 
an extended version of after Henry brought Regina and Emma out from the land of mirrors. You remember with the dragon being in there and that whole thing. So some nice dialogue between Henry and both of his moms. And then the really cute, precious scene, which Uh. while I was preparing for this made me want to go back home to noodle baby and hold him (laughs) because he is just so dang cute right now. (laughs) And he's almost about to crawl by the way, in case you're wondering an update on him. But, um, this Hide the was, magic beans. <laughs> yeah. This was a really cute scene between Snow and baby Neil. Yeah, I think that was my favorite. It was almost my favorite, if not my favorite part. Out of the deleted scenes, it was my favorite part. Because it would have been really cool to see. Because really, baby Neil ended up mostly being a prop mm-hmm. that they, you know, mostly forgot about. But this was actually Snow being a mother. And this is a live child. You can tell it's not just a doll. And he's sitting there and they're reading and it was, it was nice. And that was when baby Neil said his first word, which sounded like he burped it out (laughs) the way that they edited it. Uh, But it was daddy was his first words because Snow is reading a story of how she saved Prince Charming. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) And then baby Neil says, daddy. Yeah. Isn't he a little too small to have a first word though in that scene? Might be part of why they, except they referenced it later. Yeah. Well, and in this deleted scene, this also just further rubs in how much Snow and Charming are missing each other because this is during the sleeping curse. This one was probably for time because I thought it was a pretty good scene. Yeah. Well, there were two aspects. It was as if by the end of it, you were like, guys, you can't both wake the baby up every time you wake up. What are you doing? She just put him to sleep and you wake up, David, and you just pick him up and start playing with him. <laughs> Get the thing back where it came from. Or so help me. So help me. And cut. Which they did. <laughs> from 609 Changelings, there was one really long scene. Now you remember back when uh, we were around this time of recording that episode, oh, this. we'd gotten really excited about the agent for one of the cast members had contacted us offering that cast member as an interview guest for once podcast. And I was thrilled about Mm -hmm. that. So thrilled. I mean, an amazing job for that agent to doing their job, finding relevant podcasts and contacting them and offering. So like that agent totally worth whatever they're getting paid, maybe even worth more. They're doing their job well, (laughs) but we ended up not being able to have that interview because it turned out almost everything that that woman's part was, which was Jill, mm-hmm. the characters Jack and Jill. I think we didn't even hear her speak in the actual episode. Had we not talked about it in advance? We did. Because At some point we referenced Jack and Jill and then after a while we were like, wait a minute, where were they called Jack and Jill? Why do we think that's what they are called and it was a press release wasn't it yeah or what i think or um (laughs) they were listed in the credits as jack and jill i I believe and this made it very clear who they were yeah so this was one really long scene which was wonderful to see what actually happened so this was all the stuff that because of non-disclosures or something that that uh, actress was not able to have the interview with us after all because ABC recorded all this stuff, but they didn't use it. Mm. Well, I'm really glad they put it on the disc yeah. because you see this whole dialogue between Jack and Jill and Rumpelstiltskin. Mm. And this is the setup for Rumpel stealing the baby that he used as bait for the Black Fairy. Yeah. 
So you see all of that stuff, the contract that he had with Jack and Jill. You don't see why they made the, well, he mentions why he made the contract. You know, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack <laughs> fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. And then Jill went to the dark one. That, that's actually what he said. <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically Jack had some kind of head crushing injury when yeah. he fell down. And so that's why they made a deal with the Which dark one. I thought was amazingly season one <laughs> yes. it's Rumpelstiltskin involved in a story we all sort of know I mean it's just a nursery rhyme but still it's a thing we know and it was kind of dark and it was twisted to involve Rumpelstiltskin meddling in everybody's affairs and that's what we first kind of fell in love with yeah and we also got to see that Blue Fairy was supposed to be the baby's fairy godmother and then we further saw more conflict between Rumple and the fairies, and he was just like, never hire a fairy to protect your children when the Dark One's involved. And we also saw the wires she hangs from, yeah. so that was cool too. <laughs> <laughs> so, really nice that they included that scene. Bummer that none of that I made know. it into the episode, because <laughs> I'm pretty certain we didn't even hear Jack and Jill speak, other than maybe, like, cry out, saying, like, no, don't take our baby. Yeah, they, their lines were minimal, yeah. if air at all but we never even saw inside their little hovel but we did in this deleted scene so really nice to see that i hope that's not one of the blu-ray exclusive scenes <laughs> then from the episode wish you were here there was one deleted scene which was more between snow and charming and uh, this conflict of the, the sleeping curse from 611 tougher than the rest there were three deleted scenes uh, one bell, very Zelina focused with these deleted scenes. Okay, so am I wrong or was Zelina not even in that episode in the end? I was wondering that same thing too because these deleted scenes are very focused on Zelina. My memory is foggy, but I went back and looked at some synopsis of this episode and there's nothing mentioned about Zelina or any of the cockamamie things they did in this plot. So here is where we get to the diatribe that wasn't. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Were these people, I don't know if they were out of character, but they were being ridiculous and the retconning was turned up to 11. She mm -hmm. decides apparently by sniffing the evil queen snake that <laughs> we're not joking black <laughs> fairy dust was involved which we saw that it was not it was a wave of gideon's hand it clearly was not no, no. black fairy dust was involved oh wait really yes am i just so i just remember that wrong because wait what are you talking this, about these deleted scenes further uh confirm that thing all the way back from season one remember snow had dark fairy dust she did that she said could turn her enemy into something that could be squashed and we when we saw gideon come to town yes. and then turn the evil queen into the snake we mentioned some things about that's black fairy dust that's the same thing from Are season you sure one. yes we did talk about it then okay and uh, we re referenced that i think some in some other conversations so these deleted scenes even further um, prove that, and that was one of the nice things in these deleted scenes because they did make that point stronger that okay, this is black fine. fairy dust. Because Zelina did even say something about, "I'll make uh, Gideon squashable for you, and then you can decide 
what you want to do with him. Well, okay. I don't remember that aspect, but none of that excuses Zelina being able to wave her hand over yeah. Evil Queen Serpent and pull Which was an, animated an gift. ample amount of dark fairy dust from her somehow. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And the whole plot just to to like to kill or transform Gideon, they just agreed to too easily. It was it was all ridiculous and very strange, and I'm very glad it never happened. Yeah, and a strange confrontation with Rumple and Gideon in the cabin, and then Zelina, uh, Charming, and Hook come and confront them, and that was also Zelina was there with the dust. So that was nice that they cut that out. Yes. So thank you. Um, it, it makes me terrified of what else they've held back, given what's been in that <laughs> has made me... Crazy. Well, and this could be one of those kinds of things that they change their minds while filming because with this next deleted scene that's from episode 616, Mother's Little Helper, this is when the spider comes through and is trying to kill Emma and Gideon brought the spider and all of that stuff. You remember that when the spider was running around, on the upper level, Gideon and Emma are there and Gideon is saying, you should just walk away. Well, I kind of wonder, was that reshot because they decided not to use this deleted scene, which is where Emma and Gideon hide in a library while the spider's running around. And there Gideon says, among several things, you should walk away. Yeah. So either they realize this is redundant or maybe they changed their minds while filming and decided, let's shoot this a little differently. Well, and considering it was later revealed that it was all his own plot, it was really laying it on thick. Yeah. Like... To the point of the performance should have had a little bit more nuance to it if it were going to be included because there there should have been something unreadable or shifty in him, something, some clue that he wasn't in earnest because it was just way too believable. But the bummer of cutting that particular scene is that we missed a great line from Emma. Your mother's itsy-bitsy nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) From the episode 618, where bluebirds fly, there was one deleted scene. And it was, this was when the Charmings were looking for a wedding location for Emma. And they went to Granny's diner. Well, it wasn't in the episode. Granny wasn't in that episode. But she was in this deleted scene. Yes. So you see them talking to Granny. Granny talking about Jack and Jill. Apparently, Jack and Jill's marriage didn't work out, or Which something I like hated that. that. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, but I mean, it was uh, funny, but it was weird. Granny being the businesswoman that she is, and talking about you know it's a non-refundable deposit. <laughs> <laughs> Some funny things, but they ended up cutting Granny completely out of that. Yeah. Now, did they? Could you tell if they used the scene? without granny on either end in the episode or did they re-record the whole thing they i felt like this was slowed down but maybe it just had a different feel because of the other parts well the way that the deleted scene goes is it starts off they're talking to granny right then she goes into the back then they continue their conversation that's what we see in the episode is Mm -hmm. when they continue the conversation while she's gone then they leave she comes back and she's like you know what would be great for the wedding lasagna and then she realizes oh they're all gone so yeah they they just trimmed the episode. Use the middle, but, cut uh, out the granny at the beginning and the end. I could swear the pacing was different, though, and the delivery. Might have been because... More no relaxed. Well, or maybe. Or something like that. It felt more relaxed to me, but that could just be me. 
From the episode 619, The Black Fairy, there was one uh, scene cut, which was a nice little scene. Henry was tying his bow tie, and it was a nice little mother-to-son moment with Regina there, and she's like, oh, you've grown up so fast, and you can tie your own bow tie. I guess you won't need me to tie your bow ties anymore. (laughs) So a nice little touching uh, mother-to-son moment. And then the last deleted scene from 622, The Final Battle Part 2, there was one scene which didn't really change the storyline, but it would have been a little bit funny to include, and kind of is one of those things that we often ask why didn't they just use muggle weapons? <laughs> well, it was of Emma going to confront the Black Fairy in the mayor's office. Mm. And Emma was taking her gun with her. And Henry's there. And Henry's like, no, 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 no. You got to do this like a hero. You got to do this right. Like the savior would. You got to use the sword, not the gun. And so she switched over to using the sword <laughs> instead of the gun. Because he was like, she has magic. Yeah. <laughs> Which then that makes total sense of why are people running around in modern day using swords when, you know, they could just use a muggle weapon and shoot the Dark Lord. Oh, gosh. Yes. If you're thinking, is he referring to how it should have ended? Totally am referring to it. (laughs) Harry Potter, how it should have ended. Look it up. It's perfect. (laughs) And I just finished the Harry Potter books, by the way. Oh, great. Great read. Which now... Complete side note, sort of, but this is relevant. You remember when we did our review of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Yes. And there were certain things like Grindelwald and stuff? Yes. Well, the Harry Potter movies, almost completely, or as far as I know, because we just did a marathon, my wife and I, watching them, completely cut out the Grindelwald stuff. The Mm -hmm. books have Grindelwald mentioned a bunch. Yeah. So if you read the books, it makes Fantastic Beasts being a prequel basically to Harry Potter. It makes that a lot more interesting. And even stuff like the Obscurious, that's actually something that's not called that, but it is in the Harry Potter books. So it makes total sense. They didn't invent something new with the Fantastic Beasts movies. So it makes me look forward more to the next Fantastic Beasts movies. So now looking back- Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, five movies. I don't know if we'll review all of them for you from the podcast, because the podcast will probably be over before the next movie is out, certainly before all of the movies are out. But now it kind of makes me wish we could go back and redo our review. Don't be so When we were like, uh, we've just watched the movies. Jeremy read the books a long, long time ago. It was so long ago, but it uh, it was enough that at least I knew there was some depth to what they were doing. Yeah. So if you were cringing at our Fantastic Beasts and How to Find Them review, well... Do your own review. Now we've repented. I mean, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) So that special deleted scene, bringing this back to Once Upon a Time, Emma using a sword instead of a gun because that's what a hero would do. Kind of cool. I wish they kind of kept would have kept that in because it was cute and kind of explains one of those things, like those questions we often ask, like, where do they get all of the food and, and what about <laughs> mail and postage and taxes and you know. there was one where henry mentioned youtube yeah yeah it, about tying his bow tie that that's he right that's right from youtube which mm, yeah it's almost like don't go there there's <laughs> so much if they've got internet access oh yeah there's so much other stuff that could and should have happened (laughs) like where i thought they were going in season two when i thought greg was going to expose storybrook to the world Mm -hmm. yeah Mm, yes 
You're telling me no rebellious teenager in Storybrooke has some smartphone video of one of the battles in the center of town that they could post to YouTube? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's just not pretend YouTube exists all that much. But it would have still been nice. But it it makes sense that they cut it. But it's one of those that could have been nice to include. Seeing the heroes use the sword. And hey, speaking of heroes, you know who wields whatever weapon with great skill like any hero would. It's our heroes for this episode of One's Podcast. So big thanks to Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Amy Cadillier, Marianne Lavati, Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, and Greg Shope, plus our 25 heroes on Patreon. Big thanks for your support of the podcast. We couldn't do this without you, especially during the summer hiatus when we release an episode here or there. It still costs to keep the episodes online, keep the website online, and prepare for upcoming stuff. So your support makes all of that possible. Big thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Whether your weapon of choice is a sword, a revolver, or it's oncepodcast.com slash heroes. We are thankful for your being a hero to our podcast. Now, if you're listening to this and you haven't been a hero yet, or maybe it's been a while since you've been a hero and you want to support the podcast, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. (laughs) The last special, which is always a fun thing, (laughs) the gag reel. Oh, yes. Eight minutes long, which initially when we looked at the what's on the discs in our unboxing, we mentioned that it says never before seen stuff. And I kind of joked, well, yeah, if you you don't count Comic-Con, because they did play a gag reel at the blooper reel at Comic-Con. But what they played at Comic-Con was only a couple minutes. Uh, So here on the DVDs and Blu-rays, you get eight minutes of bloopers. And it's not just stupid stuff. Like, it was fun. Yeah. We don't want to spoil too much of it, but... (laughs) And it's, it's always fun to see the cast not just messing up, but... Being like a family together, the actual cast members, and how much their friendship has grown and how much they enjoy playing with each other and doing <laughs> hilarious things to each other, pranks on what each other. What was and your such. favorite thing out of that? Oh, uh, I <laughs> probably the Your Mama. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's mine. <laughs> Lana Puria. <laughs> yeah. Pointing at people going, Your Mama, Your Mama. <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing that doesn't make sense to me with the bloopers is that they bleep out profanity, which I know there is certain profanity they don't want to include at all, like the stronger profanity, which maybe is what they're bleeping out in some cases. But other yeah. cases, you can tell what they're saying. Yeah. And it's profanity that's in the actual show. Oh, funny. Or some of it, at least. Maybe, maybe not. Actually, some profanity, I don't think I've ever heard. I don't remember anything being bleeped that I was like, why did they bleep that? Yeah. So Because <laughs> there were a couple of times I could tell this. And I was like, oh, yeah. shame on you. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's also a little bittersweet because here watching the cast, having so much fun together as family, as friends, in some yeah. cases, literal family, like right. Josh Dallas and Jenny Goodwin, um, because they're married. <laughs> but... That's all sweet. The bitter part of this is realizing this whole family isn't going to be together anymore with the spinoff, otherwise known as Stevenson 7, coming and many cast members moving on, many characters moving on. So 
it, it's a little sad to see all these happy times and realize the good times are over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's depressing. But still lots of fun. Want an apple? <laughs> Is it poisoned? Uh, I mean, no. Oh, okay. Then no. <laughs> Is it oh, from boy. the past? Mm, Is it green? Is it red? Is yes. it frozen? Is it black? Mm. Oh, Is it split in half doing. with lightning? I'm naming all of the different all Apple the posters we've seen. So in our unboxing, we did talk about the actual cover of the disc, which if you didn't watch our unboxing, go back to oncepodcast.com and we've got the video over there as well as on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel if you want to watch it in those different places. The packaging for the sixth season, very similar to the previous couple seasons where we don't have the nice lenticular cover on the Blu-ray. The lenticular cover is the thing that you turn it one direction, you see one image, you turn it the other direction, you see another image. And this would have been a fantastic season to do that because the way that they designed the cover for this season is that we have the iconic apple and then evil queen in the background. So very similar to past imagery that we've seen with Once Upon a Time. But this apple has a lightning split down the middle. So you see the red apple on one side and then the black apple on the other side. Nice visual representation of the Jekyll and Hyde, the Evil Queen and Regina, and other aspects of splitting that we saw throughout this season. So if this was a lenticular cover, what would have been perfect is you turn it one way, you see the red apple, and Regina, Mayor Regina, you turn it the other way, and you see Evil Queen Regina with the black apple. Regina with her mayor pants on? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been perfect, but... My guess is the lenticular covers are too expensive to produce, so that's why we haven't seen them for the last three seasons now. Only seasons one through three have the lenticular covers. Yeah. It would be very interesting to know how many people prefer, especially when a series gets to be multiple seasons, how many prefer to watch on a streaming service rather than buy boxed sets. Yeah. I thought box sets were a miracle. I am getting so old. I remember when you just had to wait until a station decided to put a show in syndication and then <laughs> right. just show reruns incessantly, sometimes in no particular order because they were jerks. Yeah. And maybe you could buy them with, by like VHSs with one or two episodes on them. Um, no each. extra features. Or if there no were extra, extra features, features, you had to fast forward all the way to the end of the VHS in yeah. order to watch one special feature. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. then DVD box sets happened and... It was dark days. Those were very dark days. And and yeah, so today I I still don't want to buy digital copies of things like digital only because they make the DVD, Blu-ray digital sets for me because I'm still, I have feet in all the places and I just don't know which to choose. Yeah. I like that where they package it all together like that. But when it's uh, something like the extras, the commentary, you usually don't get that if you purchase from iTunes or Amazon, the digital versions, digital Sometimes, only versions. Often the purchased ones, there's a way to get the extra content depending on the content creator. But if you're just streaming from Netflix or Hulu or right. Amazon, you usually don't get anything. Well, yeah, you usually don't get anything like that. Well, and that kind of makes sense because those streaming services, Hulu, Netflix, Disney's thing that they're 
working on well disney could do something completely different actually yeah. they could decide to put all the extras in their streaming service that would be nice but in these services like netflix these are the kinds of like red box approach where all you really want to do is watch the movie you don't really want to watch the extras if you want to watch the extras that's when you own the movie so that brings to the ultimate question, do you want to own the golden-trimmed, non-lenticular Blu-ray or DVD of Once Upon a Time Season 6? If you're a fan of Once Upon a Time, yeah. uh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. If you only want to own it because of extra features, it is a bit lacking. And some of these things do tend to find their way illegally onto the internet or onto YouTube, and we don't endorse that. Sometimes these things actually end up, though, through official channels, so follow ABC and ABC once or once ABC on YouTube to maybe see what kinds of things they share there. Do you know it, that would be, it would be a resounding yes. If they had put the season, like the, the special that they showed before the finale of season six on these discs. Oh really? Yeah. If that was the only place I could get them. Oh, you bet. Okay. Yeah. True. True. Nonetheless, I, as a oncer, as a fan of once upon a time, why not own the sixth season, right? <laughs> it's a resounding why not from us, folks. <laughs> because it, it does look great to have all six seasons together. Now, one minor little thing that uh, some people have um, taken issue with is that of all six seasons, you look at the spine of all of these seasons, six at this point, we have, from order from season one through season six, uh, little images of different characters. Emma on one, Evil Queen on two, Snow White on three, Rumpelstiltskin on four, Hook on five, and on six, Josh Dallas is Prince Charming? No. <laughs> it's back to Emma. I noticed that when we did the unboxing, I just didn't say anything. Which it would have been, well, for one thing... Josh Dallas as Prince Charming had a really big role in this season because the whole Snow White, Prince Charming, Sleeping Curse thing was spread out for a while. So he was a significant character to this season. And because Josh Dallas isn't coming back for the spinoff, otherwise known as season seven, it, it, we're not going to get his face on the spine of another DVD or Blu-ray set. So that is a disappointment for some of the fans that they reused. And of course, the images on the inside too, very much reused uh, from previous seasons. It's, yeah, a little bit disappointing there that yeah. they're recycling many of the older images. But still, if you're a oncer and you want to complete your set and own, you know, save the whales, complete, own the whole set or collect the set, well, then you'll you'll enjoy this. If you think about it, it takes you from season one Emma to season six Emma, which is a whole arc. That's true. There's that aspect yeah. to it. Yeah. And these were her stops along the way. Her battles against Regina, which was very much season one and season two. Her battle against Snow White. Yes, of course. Her, <laughs> her battle, battle against her mommy issues. Rumpel? Yeah. Her well. battle against Hook in season five. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. of going to the underworld. So it made sense to have Hook as uh, the image on season five. But then Emma as the image on season six. I, I, I know Emma was a major character in season six. So it, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It took me a solid four years to like Hook. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, it did take you a long time. It took me all of the character development to like I, Hook. I saw the comments of people calling you Hook 
hater. Oh, really? And other things like that. Were yeah. you protecting me from these comments? Yes, some of them. Because some people <laughs> don't like us. But we are fans of the show. We will continue podcasting into the seventh season. Otherwise known. As, or, wait, I said that wrong. We will continue podcasting into the spinoff. Otherwise known as season seven. There, yeah, I made it there. all right again. Good job. Uh, but because the spinoff schedule is so different, it's on Friday nights at 8 p.m. on ABC instead of on Sunday nights. We won't be doing live initial reactions. And because our lives are so significantly different now, seven years later. We've had character development, you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I made a human being <laughs> Jeez. in the meantime. And he's so adorable. So, so much of life has changed. So our schedule needs to change for the show and our approach to the show. We're still going to podcast, but the way that we'll be doing it is instead of two episodes of our podcast per week, where we do initial reactions and full discussion, we're going to kind of mash them together into a single new format, which will be recorded live on Monday nights. Our, our plan is to do it at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Monday nights, oncepodcast.com slash live. And um, it will be a combination where it will be the things that stand out, kind of like we did for initial reactions. But we'll have watched the episode once, taken some notes, maybe been able to watch it twice. So it will be a little bit more in depth on those things that stand out to us. Right. So we won't be able to go through and find every single Easter egg. We won't be able to talk about every theme of the episode, every character arc, every story arc. We're going to have to let some stuff not be talked about because we won't have the time to prepare or the time to discuss it. But we do want to talk about those major themes and the big way that we help determine those major themes are what we receive feedback on. So continue to send us your feedback. You're going to have to be quick on sending us the feedback so we can incorporate them into the episode. Once Upon a Time airs on Friday nights at 8 p.m. Our podcast will be on Monday nights at 7 p.m. And because of this new schedule and still trying to work things out, it's possible that like staffing will change here in the podcast. You'll have me for the end of the podcast all the way to the end. So maybe you're happy about that. Maybe you're sad about that. <laughs> but... Uh, we're we're just not quite sure on other schedules. So you might see co-hosts shift around. We, we may have a new co-host join us or we might lose old co-hosts. So things are changing around, not completely sure yet. So even maybe mid-season, we might have to change things up a little bit. But as much as possible, I do want to try and maintain that Monday night at 7 p.m. schedule uh, because I don't want to go back to Sunday night recordings. That I'm grateful for with the new schedule. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll see whether Monday nights work out for different schedules, who's able to join us, and that kind of thing. So just to let you know that there could still be some changes um, that we have to make for the podcast in order to continue things or for people to put more work into their priority, which is life. So if you are joining us for the upcoming seventh season, then we will be happy to have you with us sending your feedback for the podcast. You can always send us feedback by calling in to 903-231-2221 or send an email to feedback at oncepodcast.com or send a voice message or send a written message through the website at oncepodcast.com. The forums are still available that you can participate in over there if you want to chat about current episodes, old episodes, discuss spoilers with Hunter, Jacqueline, Matthew, Paul, and others over there, or just connect with the other oncers our smaller band of people who are still sticking together, watching this show, 
hoping in happy endings and looking forward to what the next season brings. I know very, 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 very little. I know more than I should. The next season. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I'm really getting set to be surprised. I know one spoiler and only one. It's it's only like a character that will be in the seventh season. So I'm really curious how they're working that out. How have you done that? I I just I don't guess I just follow too much social media internet. stuff now. Yeah, I I'm so head down in work these days, and especially having a baby too. I'm more eager to get back home, spend time with my son and uh, other priorities in life and with my business too. My business is growing really well in case you're wondering about that. And so a lot of things changing, we're changing with it, but we want to still be here with you as fans of the show because we are still watching the show, still fans of it, still enjoying it. Yes, we have our criticisms here and there, but we still enjoy the show. That's what family does. <laughs> we criticize each other. <laughs> right. We rip each other apart and tell them to hashtag hire the nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's what families do. This is not what we do for Christmas. You need to hire the nerd to find out about our family traditions. So we hope that you will be joining us for this journey. You can purchase your own copy of the complete sixth season of Once Upon a Time by going to oncepodcast.com slash season six so that you can own your own copy on DVD or Blu-ray or purchase one of the digital copies. And if you purchase it there through our link, it does help support the podcast too. And we really appreciate that. And we try to keep those links internationalized so that like if you're in Canada or the United Kingdom or Australia, you are able to purchase through your local store instead of having to look it up through different means. So that helps support the podcast if you purchase through those links. And we have links to past seasons as well if you want to purchase those. And remember to check out our sponsor for this episode and register for an upcoming Once Upon a Time official convention by going to creationent.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you want to comment on some of our thoughts or continue the conversation or share this episode with your other oncer friends, then go to oncepodcast.com slash 303 to share this out, comment, and more. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And this podcast would not be possible without our great team behind us and your support. So special thanks to our whole team making each episode possible. Thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them before the season returns, they'll be doing another spoiler episode for you. Maybe I should join them this time. <laughs> Maybe. I almost joined them the last time. Also, thanks to Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and all of our co-hosts who have joined us over the past years, especially Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with us. And thanks to you for listening. Now, have a happy ever after. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be an incredible hero too, then pick your weapon over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. 
And thank you for your support. And by the way, also thank you for your support in the podcast awards. We are in the finalists. Don't worry, you don't have to do the daily voting thing anymore. Yay. But all three of our podcasts are in the finalists, and now it's up to the committee to vote on which podcast wins the podcast award. So we have three podcasts in the running beyond the to-do list, the Audacity to Podcast, and Once Once Upon a Time Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so awesome. Thank you for your support.